Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk TV Live. I am your host, Barbara Barnett. I'm executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine and publisher of the Let's Talk TV TV blog. So tonight we have a really, really special show. Um, At 6.30, sorry, at 8.30, 6.30 Pacific Time or 9.30 Eastern Time. I know Jimmy's going to be really asleep. to have as my guest for that half-hour segment. So that would be from 8.30 to 9 p.m. Chicago time. Jane Espenson will be on. So please, if you're listening out there, and I know the, the chat room is growing. We're up to nine people in the chat room now. So make sure you grab all your friends because in the half hour leading up to her being on the show, um, if you have questions for her, um Type them into the chat room. um, Get into the queue to ask the questions. What I will do is follow this format. I will interview her for 10 to 15 minutes on my own, then bring in uh, my usual panelists, Jimmy and uh, Chrissy. Hi, Jimmy. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? Good. And Jimmy is at his, his, his Twitter handle is at Jerome Wessel TV. And also tonight, mm-hmm. uh, Our Heart Radio, at Our Heart Radio, that's her Twitter handle, is Chrissy Piccolo. Um, and so I'll bring Hi. those guys in for a few minutes as well to ask a couple questions. And then depending on if there's a bunch of people in the queue to come on and ask Jane a question or two, I will I will spend less time with her um, and, and get you guys on the air with her and, and uh, asking questions. Um, if you're going to call into the show and the number is 718-305-6982, and you can call in now and stay in the queue, um, I will bring you in. And I'm not going to, you know, I might bring people in sort of sporadically through the half hour, depending on how many people are in the queue. So if you're thinking that you're going to ask a question of Jane Espenson, get yourself in the queue now. So, um by the time she comes on in a little while, and I'm trying to remember what her phone number is, so I recognize <laughs> her in the queue. Are you going to tell us? You going to tell us what her phone number is? No, I yeah, have I really texted. No, 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 no. Actually, I can look it off. Ha ha. That's thank you very much because I do have her number. No, of course I'm not going to give it to anybody. That's um, funny. So, um, Jimmy, you're you're such a, a rebel. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you never know. She might want to flip. So, um, first digit is eight. (laughs) Yeah, I won't even give her um, her. Okay, now I know what it is. Okay, I've got it. Okay, I I thought that that's what it was. Um, so before we get started with Once Upon a Time, because there's a lot, I posted my review, guys. I'm really sorry. I was of two minds. Part of my mind was thinking I was going to not post the my episode review till tomorrow after I had a chance to talk to Jane um, and get her thoughts on it. And then part of me was, okay, I am going to do it uh, tonight and before. So I so I did. I just posted the review. Um, I was really not feeling – I have a bad cold. Some of you can tell that I kind of sniffly and nasal. And um, so I, I was really tired, and I went to sleep right after the show last night. 
and uh, this morning I was still not feeling well, and so I finally this afternoon wrote the uh, wrote the review. So it's up. It's at letstalktv.barbabarnett.com or at blogcritics.org. Either way, and then tonight on blog on on Let's Talk TV, barbabarnett.com, my blog. I just now, like within the last half hour, posted a preview article for next Sunday's episode. And it's got spoilers in it, but nothing that the network hasn't given to the press because I have not seen it. All I know is what the network shared with the press today and the preview from last night. So I have on there some photos, uh, press photos from next week's episode, as well as sort of um, the broad strokes of the plot. So if you want later on, get a chance, go over there and take a look. And uh, please spread spread the word and, and let people know that it's up there. Um, so I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a couple things first that are not that are not once upon a time ish. So we were just talking before um, the show started. I'm really loving Revolution this year. Yeah. Um, I it, uh, last year. You know, I kept thinking, okay, this show has really potential, has a lot of potential, but isn't really, it's not really getting to me on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And despite Billy Burke's wonderful brooding, oh, that was a great alliteration, Billy Burke's beautiful brooding. <laughs> um, and it just didn't, and usually that just grabs me by the guts and says, okay. I have my byron, my my brooding Byronic hero <laughs> to carry forth the the, the B alliteration, um, and and it just wasn't doing it for me. I, there have been three episodes, I think, so far. Three, yeah, four, three, three episodes. Um, each has been better than the next. So I'm really, yeah. really excited. Um, so I really and and I when I talked to Eric Kripke over the summer. Um, he told me that really they were revisiting the whole thing. They were really focusing in on it. They were, you know, these warlord guys and, and focusing in on this town and on the emotional beats of the story. And I'm really loving it. I love, I'm I'm, I'm loving where I'm speculating Monroe going with this. And his yeah, being sort you, of, what did I, I think of that? Yeah, what do you think of that? Because, I mean, I don't know, man. I kind of think it should be Monroe and Miles together again. Well, I think that's where it's, I think that's where it's going. Totally. I, I mean, totally I really think hope so. I think they're going to I think they're going to rehabilitate Monroe. Yep. And he and um you know, he and he and Miles are going to be back together and they're going to kick butt. I love the fact that Rachel and and uh, Miles are together. I think yeah. it's really lovely, um, and I really like it. I'm really loving it. Um, it's it's a great heroic show, and the girls are heroes too, which is always a good thing. Yeah. So I am really advocating people. If you haven't been watching Revolution, you should be. Um, yeah. It's it's a sort of what would you call it? Mad Max meets. Um, Mad Max Beyond Fun. No, Mad Max meets what? Oh, meets God. The Twilight Zone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sort of. Mm. Uh, what it's, it's, it's a, it's, mean, it's a really I, good. It's it's just really, I mean, the writing has been much better. And what's funny yeah. to me is that I was just surprised because Eric Kripke, you know, I mean, he created, 
supernatural and the the character development and the the relationship between the brothers and then the brothers and the father initially and the brothers and Bobby and and so forth and so on have been, has always been so wonderful that I was surprised at how kind of you know it was kind of all over the place last year yeah. but but Eric really is a great I mean he, he so he, I think he's finally got the formula down I think it's gonna, Yeah well, an and I think I think season. bringing in Rockney S. O'Bannon has really helped as well. Yeah, and I think I he's also given over the reins of supernatural, so he can really focus in on um, revolution. So, um, so, it's just, so it's so important to have high quality, like high concept sci-fi shows. I mean, so many of the genre shows that have been put forth on broadcast television these last years, the flash forwards and the you know uh, yeah. the events and stuff, they just fall flat, and it kind of gives the network's pause at making more shows right. of that, of that right. style. And right. we all like that type of show. So to right. see Revolution improve is, is heartening. Yeah, and I think yeah. what's interesting is, and I think, you know, right now, um, I think the networks are more open than they have been in a many, many a year. Yeah. For genre shows. Um, well, you and can thank Walking Dead for that. It even beat Aerosol in the demos even, yesterday. Sure. Walking Dead. I mean, walk, Walking Dead beat, the, beat NFL in the demos. They are now the totally. most watched show of any type on television. So you've it's got Walking so Dead, you've got Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and yeah. now it's interesting. So now you have genre shows winning Emmy Awards. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But it's about time because you know, and, I mean, and I, so it's I really like... I think it's really opened things up. And so this is this leads me to my question for the gang in the chat room. And if you're not if you're listening in on the archive on the podcast, um, please please email me at barbara.barnett at blogcritics.org, um, and I'd love your thoughts. This is my question. I'm writing an article on the pivotal moments in science fiction. What has led us to this time? What has led us to this moment where sci-fi has become so mainstream that it's really part of the network fabric and a part of our pop culture fabric, not just for the geeks among us, but for everybody? And so um, people have been sort of – I've interviewed several um, thought leaders, including Jane, by the way. I interviewed her for this article as well. And Doris Egan, who is a great uh, sci-fi novelist and is one of the writers, sci-fi and mostly sci-fi, I would think, Sarah, who asked in the in the chat room, sci- science fiction as well as fantasy. Mm, I'm not thinking so much fantasy, although there is a certain amount of crossover. So when you get to mythology, like if you look at mythology, you know, you have a lot of sci-fi uh, fantasy crossover ideas. Even Greek mythology, certainly Celtic mythology. So, um, so that too. So, I've interviewed a bunch of people. I interviewed the CEO of IDW Comics, who was lovely and got back to me like in five minutes with an extensive answer. Um, what he thought. The other question I asked them too was, why is it that sci-fi seems suddenly to be so much in the mainstream? And actually, I've been pretty much across the board, people disagreed with me, that it's not something that's been, uh, that's just only now, but that it's it's not that it's become mainstream, it's become much more acceptable. 
You know, it is no longer the purview of the geeks in the world. It's no longer the purview of the um, of the Sheldons of the world. You know, <laughs> it's for everybody. Um, I think there's a lot more people identifying themselves as geeks these days too. Yeah, it's, I mean, it it's really cool. there really has been a shift with the rise of technology. Oh, it's totally, and it's cool now to be a geek. Yeah, Don't you think? Exactly. It's totally cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've always thought it was, but yeah, it just seems the last 10 years or so, it's really, really taken So Samantha yeah. said the X-Files, lost. Yeah, yeah, lost. Yeah, as yeah. far as television. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, absolutely. Yes. So, um, and, and it's interesting because both Buffy and the X-Files were on Fox, which has always been a, right, Buffy was on Fox too, right? Yeah. Uh, that started out on Fox and then moved to WB, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but again, either way, um, a Firefly. I mean, that's not a milestone moment. <clears throat> it's an important moment in the last twenty years. Um, but um, but but it's true of all of those shows except for Lost, which was a network show. That um, those 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 either cable or the non-mainstream networks and now Fox is kind of a mainstream network but 20 years ago it wasn't it wasn't right mm-hmm. 20 mm-hmm. years but ago they really took a gamble with X-Files they did and, and it, I mean, right and, yeah. and the X-Files was not really did not really start off very well and it no it didn't it really it really wasn't until the fourth season yep that it really took off it, and to be honest, I didn't start watching it until the fourth season. My first, my first X Files episode. Well, I have to tell you my X Files story. My first X Files <laughs> episode was Cottish. What? Cottish. Cottish okay. with the golem. With the golem. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched that episode and I was completely blown away. And I said, oh, my gosh, where have you been all my life, this this TV series? Because well, yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't watched a TV – I hadn't watched a network TV series for 10 years. And um, and I came back to it. And um, uh, so, I, so I started watching it. So this is what I did. So I got so hooked on it. I went on the internet. So we're talking about 1996, right? 1996, right. 1997, yes, you are. right? So I went yes. to the internet, which was in its infancy, <laughs> right? All that was on the internet was AOL. That was it, right? It was, right? You had I AOL. I didn't understand the internet back then. <laughs> so, so I went on AOL. I had the internet, but I didn't use AOL. I went to AOL. I think we were on CompuServe in that era. Sorry. Well, I yeah, there was CompuServe, right? There was CompuServe, and there was AOL, and there was uh, there were a couple of other. GE had one, and then I had the mainframe at the university, and because I was using the internet long before that, um, but I had my AOL account, and CompuServe was much more expensive. AOL was really cheap, so anyway, I went on and I said I went on um, on the uh, the the X Alt TV um, message board, you know the the listserv for X Files, mm-hmm. and I said, mm-hmm. "Hi guy, dial up chat rooms. Yes, dial me too. Dial up chat rooms for X Files." So I went into one of those dial up chat rooms on AOL, 
And I said, hey, guys, I'm a new convert. I really need to catch up. What episodes do I need to watch? So I got all of these episodes that I needed to watch. And you stream them through the This is what you need from season two. This is... So I had, there was a very there was a very kind person who um, tried uploading me an episode or two, but with not very much. And three weeks later, when you downloaded that one episode, yeah, that's it's, hilarious. It took almost a week, so that wasn't really um, that wasn't really a solution. So I went on eBay, <laughs> which was also in its infancy. So I, I found someone who had tapes of tapes of tapes. So I ordered up <laughs> all of the hilarious. ones, all of the ones that um, I was supposed to watch. So from first season, second season, because cause it wasn't in reruns yet, and, right. and there hadn't been any releases of any VHSs yet. Right. They didn't do that till the fourth season. So um, so I went on and I and I got these tapes of tapes of tapes, and they were terrible quality. So I ordered them up, and they were supposed to arrive the day a blizzard hit Chicago. So I was waiting for these tapes. And it was perfect because I wasn't working that day, and I was just kind of, you know, was going to hold myself up in my room and watch um, watch the episodes, and they didn't come. But they finally came, and they were just the most horrible quality you can imagine. And I was so excited when they came out um, with the with the season one, season two, season whatever, season three, VHS tapes sets, and I bought those, and I caught up really quickly, and then I started to write X Files fan fiction. Yeah, and I that got part like of it. insanity. Well, I actually didn't start watching it till season three, and I was what uh, happened with me is. What happened with me is that somebody at work, this guy at work, was like, "You were not watching X Files, you." He's like, you, Christine, you're not watching the Xbox. I said, well, I've heard of it, but I don't really understand. And he's like, okay, come over. So I went over to his apartment, and we sat, I mean, we sat and watched the first, you know, what he had them on VHS as well. And we watched the first, like, two seasons is what he had. Oh, yeah. And I was just, like, hooked. I was like, oh, my God. Well, oh, all, and I bought X-Files Hello. magazine. I bought the yeah. X-Files magazine. Totally. And... When I when I read the article, there was an article, I think it was an expose magazine, about Fox Mulder on a Campbellian heroic quest. And I read this article, and I was like, yes, he is a classic Campbellian anti-hero. Yes. <laughs> He's a Byronic hero. Yay. Um, so, but I, that was it. So anyway, okay, so I want to talk in these last uh, – uh, 10 minutes or so before Jane Estenson joins us. And reminder, guys, the phone number to call in is 718-305-6982. Yes, Scully and Mulder, the original ship. You know, all of those fan fiction terms are totally from, you know, RST, USD, UST, and RST are are from the X-Files fan fiction life, right? Um. You know, so I wasn't in RS tier at all, but all my fan fiction is very usty. I don't think I ever resolved their their ust. So unresolved sexual tension, which I yes. see this is okay. So this well, is the thing. This brings me to one. This brings me to once upon a time. So this is the thing. I really agree 
with most TV writers and producers who say that if you RST the us, if you resolve the us, it destroys it. it yeah, it, I agree it with that. Saps, it saps the relationship of all of its unless energy. We, unless they do it right, like with Bones. I mean, they've done a great job. Yeah, and it was place. gradual. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was well done. Yeah. Um, but very few shows can do it very well. And on Once Upon a Time, um, I mean, we have this lovely resolved tension between Snow and Charming, and you see what it did to them. And and I suppose mm-hmm. it was always going to be that way. I mean, they're the least interesting to me, the least interesting pair, although I have to say mm-hmm. with, um, with with Charming dying now. Yeah, I don't know where's good. that going to go. That's going to be pretty weird. Well, we better get more layers is all I wanted. I mean, come on. He's going yeah. to go through something. I mean, we we need to see more layers character-wise with him. He's, he's just kind of... I mean, I love that he's always, you know, the guy that comes in to save the day, but I mean, you know, yeah. there's got to be much more to him. Yeah. Well, I like when he hangs out hangs out with the guys. He gets the great yeah. rumpel-sipkin scenes. He gets the great oh, earth scenes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love totally. the scenes between him and Hook. I love the scenes exactly. between Hook, and I love the scenes between him and Rumpel, and yeah. I, I mm-hmm. love it. But we have a lot of great unresolved tension. <laughs> welcome back, Sarah. Um, yeah, welcome. Uh, wonderful, um, wonderful unresolved sexual tension, us between Belle and Rumpel, and right. I like that it's where it is. Yeah, me you know, too. I'm going to be a renegade here. I really like that it is where it is, that they're star uh, There are so many. I said in my review today, I was counting up the star-crossed couples in Once Upon a Time, and there are tons of them. So you have, mm-hmm. of course, you have Emma and Bay. Mm-hmm. You have Rumpel and Belle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, okay, I'm going to pull up my article because now I'm blanking. It's part of my, like, being sick. Mulan See, I- and Aurora. Right, you well, you Mulan and Aurora. <laughs> really? No, seriously, that's where it was going last night. And there were just some article, I think it was with Edward Kitson, uh, not Edward Kitson, but the, uh, Eddie and Adam talking about, you know, is there going to be something between Regina and Emma, which I never even saw. And they were like, no, either. but if you like same sex couples, you will be pleased this season. That's it. And that's exactly where it came. I said, that's a romance. That wasn't just a friendship. No, 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 no. Wait a second, though. Wait a second. She said, Mulan said she had something she had to tell Philip. No, she want, but she wanted to talk to her. She said no. Yeah, but as soon as she found out she was pregnant, she backed off. She was going to confess her love. To Aurora. Her love for Philip? Yes. Or to Aurora? I am completely yes, convinced. That, yeah, how could you take that any I other way? I agree with that. No, I know. Actually, my friend, you know, Damien, my my ex co-host, whatever. I mean, she was she mm-hmm. she thought that 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 she meant that she was in love with Aurora, and I said, no, I don't think so. I think it's supposed to be with Philip because remember I, she just spent all that time and fought with him. Yeah, and, yeah. Stuff. and I and I totally think that. And she said, "There's something I have to tell Philip." And when she saw Aurora was. Um, Pregnant. No, or Mulan wanted she, to talk to Aurora. Mulan loves Aurora. Aurora but I think, about, I think it was about. No, I Phillip. think she was going to tell Philip. I think she was going to say to Philip that she was in love with Philip. I mean, 
she didn't. Me too. She spent all that time with Philip. She, she, okay, she so that's a question for Jane. Isn't that a question yeah. for Jane? So okay, yeah, so my <laughs> so my star-crossed lovers. So now we have Regina and Robin Hood, even though they don't yeah. know their star-crossed mm-hmm. lover. I love Please. that. Where's my Marion? Thank you, Jimmy. Because I was like, wait, did I miss something? Yeah, where's my Marion? Isn't she the mother of of Robin's son? No, 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 she's not. She's dead. I thought. Yes, but I mean, come on. So she wasn't his true love? I guess not. I don't understand why they're not. Well, there's another. There's another question for Jane. Yeah, I know. I got it. I, I'm, I'm like, like, who made that decision? Because I, I mean, I know. Well, Dane is pissed about that too. Because I mean, for us that love that story of Robin Hood, I mean, it's always made Marion. I mean, that was one of the the big, you know, that was his true love. And okay, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to do the secondary because of the fact that Regina's, you know, Regina's. Uh, I can't remember his name, but Regina's true love is dead, and now of course made Marion is. So maybe they're doing the whole second. side 
and yeah. uh, you know, fighting together. What was it with those that war paint? Yeah, I don't mm. get that whole scenario. With the, well, yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Well, I wonder what Henry thought when, um, you know, Pan mentioned that, oh, you know, when your father was here. Like, I wonder, if we haven't heard much about from Henry and his side of things yet. He hasn't really said much right. about what's been going on. And so I was anxious, like, I was, I'm anxious to hear when Bay finally, you know, gets to him, what he's going to say to his father at that point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, is he going to be so turned around? It's going to be very interesting. I think so this is, this is, this is what, so this is what the press release says for next week's show. Um, Mr. Gold, um, Mr. Gold makes a decision to confront Pan, David struggles for his life as the poison begins to take its toll. And in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin goes in search of Balefire, who has followed a mysterious figure who steals away children with his music. Mm. Interesting. Very, Very interesting. interesting. I can't Very wait to hear, see how this plays out, actually. What did you guys think of the blue fairy, man? I'm oh, man. She is one... Wait. She is she one, one very tough, fairy. <laughs> very tough cookie. She is. She is yeah, very tough. Cookie. Um, she you know, <laughs> she she's a vindictive one, man. Yeah. She she's no wonder she's I, mother. No wonder she's mother superior. And I, think I as soon as I saw I, her come on screen, I'm like, oh, here comes Chrissy's conspiracy theory. I know. <laughs> um, oh, speaking. Theory. Speaking of, um, oh, she's on. Okay, hang on a second. Um, I'm going to, I'm hoping that this is Jane. Is this Jane? Yes, I'm here. Hi, how are you? I'm good, hey. Good, I was guessing at you. I was guessing at the right phone number, so, okay. Guessing that it was the one that was coming from inside Walt Disney. That's, that's, (laughs) that's me. (laughs) Great. Um, so welcome to the show, and I'm glad that you Thank took you. the time to join us. I know you got, you're got you totally manic. Have you been at New York uh, Comic Con this week? Yes, I was there. I flew back last night and spent today back here at work at once. Wonderful. So we spoke in July, um, and you're mm-hmm. working on, um, I mean, obviously you're promoting Husbands. You're working on right. Once Upon a Time. You're working on Once in Wonderland. Yeah. Uh, so. Tell us what's going on. What are you doing with with all three of those things? Um, Well, Husband is in a very exciting uh, phase because we've just announced at New York Comic Con that we have finally got international distribution. So all the fans overseas and in Canada and everywhere that have been clamoring, clamoring for the new episodes of Husbands starting Thursday, uh, our our understanding is that that will go up on uh, the CW's website. a YouTube site that they have, so people will be able to access it there. Congratulations. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, and I'll be in Seattle next weekend and at Halloween in the U.K. the weekend after that, um, promoting Husbands. And uh, like you say, I'm also working on Once Wonderland, which premiered last week. And uh, Once Upon a Time uh, was an episode I wrote last night. Absolutely. So it's all, it's all ticking along. I have to say that Once Upon a Time in Wonderland is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Um, 
I love okay. the split timelines. Um, mm-hmm. The photography is as beautiful as Once Upon a Time is. The surrealness of Once in Wonderland mm-hmm. is just, it just blew me away. Yeah, I think it's really good. I really like the tone of it, which is sort of simultaneously lighter and darker. Yeah. Like it's got yeah. all those great verbal verbal wordplay from Alice yeah. in Wonderland that I adore, but also a very like atmospheric, like dark tone at times. Yeah. I, I I think people are going to really like it. It's a very, very compelling story. Um, it, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you have the Vic sort of Dickensian London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Asylum uh-huh. place. Yeah, we and call that F- FVE, fictional Victorian England, uh, <laughs> is what we call that that realm. And um, yeah, I have to remember that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the beautiful surrealness of of Wonderland itself, and and the the, the White Rabbit, and and the mm-hmm. story itself is beautiful. Yeah, um, it's got it's got so much heart, and the the our lead, um, the two leads, actually all of them, but particularly I think um, uh, Alice and the Knave are like such like they're the real deal they're really really uh amazing actors at the head of that at the head of that show oh yeah and i've seen michael osaka in some other things and he's just great i love him he's fantastic and sophie though as as yes. alice and of yeah. course we've got some heavy hitters in there as uh the red queen and jafar as well naveen andrews oh. and Emma like they naveen, are very yes. very cool yeah, and we just got a little bit of Naveen in uh, of Jafar. Yeah, there's Jafar. a lot more, a lot more coming of Jafar. The episode that I wrote uh, has a lot of lots of Jafar, and it was really, really fun to write. I would um, imagine. Little, I, I'm, is he really yeah. fun to write for? He's, yeah, I really found it. This was, you know, sort of digging deeper and learning more about Jafar than you knew, and uh, it was so much fun to write. Yeah, you definitely get a sense that there's uh, an undertow between him and the queen, um, but there's oh, yeah. a lot, and that there's a lot more to his character. There's a lot more depth there to him. And uh, I love, I love it when you get to take a villain and say, "Okay, here's why they're so angry." Like, would you be angry? Like, like you, you just, I love moving villains toward the middle and heroes toward the middle, and then let them fight it out, and they're in the in the gray gray shades of the middle. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was actually Naveen was one of my treats of Comic Con was being able to interview him. It was nice. a lot of fun. Him and also Robert yeah. Carlyle. So that was big treat for me at Com and of course you and Brad. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> anyway, so um I want to talk a little bit about last night's great episode. Mhm. Thank you. And um it was really terrific. Boy, that blue fairy. <laughs> Isn't she something? Uh, yeah, I've been on some panels recently with Keegan, and uh, she was always talking about like, like I want to, I want to know more about my character, and and uh, I think we got we got to see uh, see what a disciplinarian get to see why she was, you know, why the curse interpreted her as a mother superior. I think when I you saw her, say, I was going to stand there and. In Tulip Land, uh, you know, where the where the fairies sleep, like you got a real sense of the authority she has. Yeah. Now, so what's she up to? I mean, what what's her what's her deal? Does she does she pulling all the strings, like everyone's strings? Well, I suppose that's possible. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't put it past her. Uh, no. But I think in the episode, what I just saw was someone who uh, has high standards um, and just is not, you know. It, it was the second chance. You can't go asking for a second chance when you're on your second chance, you know. 
Uh, a tink tink. When I, she stole that fairy dust, and she and she in a, almost a Ponzi scheme kind of way, it was like, well, I'll make it right when when this when this all works sure. out in my favor. Well, that's not sure. kosher. That's not how you use the fairy dust. <laughs> what you gotta say? I mean, you know, Tink is just this kind of idealistic, naive fairy. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's it's entirely possible the blue fairy might have had found with more managerial experience. Maybe she would have found a better way to deal with that. You would you would think. I mean, I, I felt sort of <laughs> sorry for Tink. I mean, sure. you know, she didn't know what she was running up against with Regina. The blue fairy told her. Blue fairy was like, just step yeah. away. That's beyond your pay grade. She wouldn't listen. She, I mean, obviously, I'm being facetious here. I, you can I, argue both sides of this. Of course. Um, of course. Yes. Um, so, you know, I loved the, it was a Regina, a very much a Regina centered episode. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see her at that point in um, the Enchanted Forest, in the old Enchanted mm-hmm. Forest at that point. Mm-hmm of her training um, and, you know, making this sort of choice. Um, But was the choice made for her? I mean, talk about manipulation. Um, You know, Rumpel has her right where he wants her. He does indeed. Um, You know, obviously we know he's playing a very long game of um, training her up to cast this curse so that he could get to, uh, our world and look for Bay and boy he's got all the angles worked out and uh, he he needs uh, Regina to be in a particular mental space uh, and if she's finding her true love and doing all that then that's not that's not getting him closer to his lost love his lost son. I would love to see Rumple and Blue Fairy just in a room together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just, you just, what would, you know, there'd be uh, bits of his long hair and shredded bits of her wings on the walls. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, so I wanted to ask you about Regina and Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that cool? I've I got most of the tweets that I got about that big reveal at the end, um, where people going like, "I saw it coming," and to me it's like, "Good for you!" Like that's that's not, you know, you don't you put in a, a, a thing like that, and you're like, for some people this will be a surprise, and some people will have yeah. guessed it. Um, but either way, I think people find it very satisfying. I always like it when I'm watching TV and I figure some twist out, and I go, "Oh, ooh, that's what I thought it was going to be." So I, I hope people were delighted whether they'd guessed it or not. Um, there's somebody in the chat room who actually makes an interesting point. Interesting that the Blue Fairy, in effect, was supporting Rumpel's goal with Regina. Well, yes. I mean, that's an interesting that's an interesting observation. Um, good, good can only do its best guess at what's the right thing to do at any given moment, and uh probably you know what do they say about the road to hell and good intentions um True. you it's very hard to tell if what you're doing is going to have a good outcome in the in the long run or not um uh and you know i without the curse regina would never have adopted henry i assume um 
So from, um, you know, from depending on your point of view, the curse was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, right, right. I mean, maybe. So was, was, was the Blue Fury, do you know, Blue Fury, yes, in this particular episode, her actions did help Rumple. I don't think she foresaw that. But as you say, maybe she's pulling all the strings. Yeah, I mean, maybe she's playing, maybe her game is just as long as Rumpel's game. Could be. She's tricky. So, um, so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So what is your next, um, uh, next episode on, on Once Upon a Time? I know you're going Uh, back mm -hmm. and forth between the two shows. Yeah, my next episode up is episode seven of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and I have not yet written, have not yet been assigned my next Once Upon a Time. I just, uh, once the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland episode is still shooting. Um, so once that's done, um, I hope I'll be assigned my next Once Upon a Time. Wow. And so the one, that the episode seven is the one that's the more Jafar backstory? Lots of Jafar. Jafar Lots in of that. Jafar. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to bring into the conversation. I usually have I have acquired. By the way, this is our one year anniversary show. I didn't even say that at the beginning of the uh, of the episode. Wow! Congratulations. Here. Thank you very much. And our audience has grown and grown and grown and grown. And you were like one of our one of my first guests on the show. I think you came by like the second week we were on the air. Oh, so what? I, I'm so happy that this that's working out so great. So hey, to, like, hey to all those numerous viewers. <laughs> well, not viewers, but listeners. <laughs> listeners, you're right. That's oh my cool. God, I'm so I'm so TV. I'm so inculcated in the TV. I can't imagine a listener that's not also a viewer. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully they're not viewing me because I'm like in my sweatshirt and <laughs> so I've got the tea and the brandy and all that. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, there's brandy. Awesome. <laughs> Brandy in my tea. Um, <laughs> I can keep talking for 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I've acquired a couple of panelists that come on the show with me to uh, mm-hmm. to talk. And uh, I'm going to introduce them because I know that they had a couple questions for you as well. And then I'm gonna, I've am gonna i got a bunch of people in the queue and we'll do questions. And I promise to get you out of here by at the top of the hour. 7 o'clock, yes. Thank you. Okay. So I'm going to bring in – hey, Chrissy, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Jamie. And Jimmy, Jimmy, are you there? Yes, hello. Okay, Hi, Chrissy is... and Jimmy. How are you? <laughs> Good. These guys are both blog critics writers, and uh, Chrissy hmm. actually has her own radio show on as well. So, um, yes. okay, guys. So, Chrissy, did you have a couple questions? I do. Okay, so one of my questions is, how was it decided that Pam was going to be evil and, you know, having to write this week's episode, you know, how does that, how did you feel about that? Because, I mean, we all thought he was supposed to be good, and apparently not. <laughs> well, if you read the original book, he's not that good. He's very, very selfish and sort of doesn't give a thought to, you know, the parents of these children who miss them and, and you know, the demands that he makes on Wendy to take care of all the boys and, and sort of, uh, he's he's a very, he's he's closer to our pan i think than people realize um and uh, you know if you if you uh are you know stolen away to an island with a charismatic leader i think the choice to make them evil is probably going to be lead to a lot more drama and interesting stories than if you got there and they're benevolent and good 
so that was that was that, and I felt great about it. Like, you know, you want to write a story, that's a story. And yeah. you know, when good goes up against good, eh, it's not not a, yeah, not nearly as much fun to write. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, now are we going to see more layers to charming? Because I mean, the fact that he was you know cut and now he's mm-hmm. obviously getting poisoned. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we're going to see more charming layers since he's going to be almost dying. Is that going to you know? Yeah, you're going to see how is he going to react to this? Um, yeah. And and we're going to see that, and that's going to unfold in an interesting way, uh, whether or not he's going to recover. Oh, my God, are we going to kill Charming? Keep watching. Um, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's another, there's a very exciting episode coming up that uh, Christine Boylan wrote um, with a lot of hook in it where you're going to uh, also learn a lot, uh, see a lot more Charming in that one as well. Oh, great. Ooh, I like cooking last, together. <laughs> I know. Totally. Well, okay, my last question for you is about what, how, how did you make this, or how was the decision made to make make Marion not Robin Hood? Or maybe, well, I don't know. I always felt like Robin Hood's true love is made Marion. And to have that twist at the end where Robin Hood is the man that Regina was supposed to meet, I mean, was that a tough decision? Because, I mean, a lot of the people that I know, we, we, we chatted today and we were like, what? You know, it's always made Marion for, for Robin. And so was it a tough decision for you guys to kind of do that that big of a twist at the end? Oh, no. I mean, I, I personally, just speaking for myself, if if we're all only allowed only one true love in this world, that means there's no hope for widowers. <laughs> And widows, right. Uh, right. and I mean, I feel I feel Daniel was was Regina's true love yeah, as well, um, but I would like to think people could go on and 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 find love again, and that it could be a true love. True, and we saw that with Rumpel and Cora, mm-hmm. and then Rumpel and Bal, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, uh, I don't see that as as necessarily a one-on-one exclusive. Uh, I mean, it's till death do us part, not forever and ever and ever. And even if, even if death parts us, I I have to never love again. I think that that's a that's a sad yeah. view. Oh, um, so I I would not I would not say that 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 the tattoo means that he didn't, was not a true love for Mae Marian. Right. Okay. So I before I bring Jimmy in to ask his questions, I have a question about Mulan. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Mulan was very um, was very concerned about talking to. I thought it was Philip, but then he ends up talking to Aurora. She ends up talking to Aurora. Mm-hmm. Um, she was going to confess her love for one of them, I think. W- That's was what it- she said she was going to go do. Yes. Um. Yes, but for who? Well, I mean, I think the scene the scene has to just stand on its own. Um. I, I'm not going to provide information beyond what was seen on the screen. The, the, the scene was written, and and there it is. And if if we'd wanted to say more, we would have written more. Okay. Well, that says mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> that says a lot in the Jane Espenson way of saying things. <laughs> You're always very sneaky about saying things. We're not. We're not saying things. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, this is actually sort of a principle that you know I'm always. Uh, I enjoy, I love hearing the fans' questions, but uh, I do, there is also a part of me that sort of goes like, you know, uh, 
you know, the episode is what the episode is, and, and if it doesn't stand on its own, then, then we haven't done our work. The scene should be as satisfying or puzzling or intriguing or maddening or whatever um, as it is, just in its own, just in its own skin. And I think it was all of those. I mean, I think it was puzzling. <laughs> I thought I'd had mm-hmm. it figured out, but I've been been in conversations that have been changing my view. So yeah, okay. it's very interesting to see people interpreting it, and that's. I mean, I think that's a sign that it's um, that it's a scene that is intriguing people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, Jimmy, did you have a couple questions? Sure. Um, yeah, one thing I was wondering about watching last night's episode is there's, you know, allusion to Tink and Hook's past relationship and, you know, a time on Neverland before. Uh, and in some ways we've seen, you know, like Snow White and Beauty and the Beast go back and tell those classic stories we're familiar with with the Once Upon a Time twist. Uh, is it tempting to do that with Peter Pan and go back and show us what originally happened in Neverland? Or is the focus more, if it doesn't relate to our core characters, it's not really important? Oh, I think that uh, for this uh, half season, this first half of uh, season three, and who knows how much beyond that, I would count Peter Pan as a core character. Um, uh, You know, he's not one of our, you know, top five on the call sheet kind of thing, but but he is a very important guest character. And, yeah, I think we'll learn more about his motivations and how how he's connected to our characters and why he has his agenda and what his agenda is. Well, we're going to learn all about that. You're going to see lots and lots of the amazing Robbie Kay, the young man who plays uh, Peter Pan. He's great. He's wonderful, by the way. Isn't he great? Yeah, we saw that audition tape. He's a Brit who was, I think, living in Texas, and we saw his audition tape that came in from Texas, and we looked at him. It was like, not only is he amazing, but look at those ears. He looks like Peter Pan. He does. He totally looks like Peter Pan. He's fantastic. We really really love him. Great great casting. He's really, he's he's just very, very talented is all I can Mm -hmm. say. I mean, I saw he was in a movie, Waves to Live Forever, and oh my God, he's so great in that. He was like only 12, I think, or 13 when he did that. Wow. That movie, and he was fabulous. You need to see it. You should ask him for it because he'd probably give it to you. Well, I actually haven't met him. He was up at the um, premiere party. We went up to Vancouver uh, uh, to see the, to screen the first episode with the cast, and I saw him there, but he was sort of, you know, being monopolized and, you know, at the center of a group of people, and I I didn't ever get a chance to go up and talk to him, but uh, he seemed, you know, just absolutely magnetic and charismatic. Really, really good. I was lucky I was able to interview him once, and he was just wonderful, so you will like him if you <laughs> the, 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 the casting for the show is just continues to be brilliant on all fronts. Um, I'm going to yeah. bring in a couple mm-hmm. question from the audience, and I think this mm-hmm. might be Sarah because I see the area code, one of our regular callers. So is this Sarah? Yes, it is. Hey, I got, see, I knew. Chicago. Hey, Sarah. Uh-huh. You're on the air with Jane Espenson. Do you have a question? I do actually. Um, let me think. I actually had several, and then they mm-hmm. all went away for some reason. <laughs> but um, I think one thing that uh, me and my friends were talking about was for Maid Marian because was it because of the result that Robin Hood used the wand that he stole from Rumple that it only healed her long enough to 
have the child and then she died after because the magic wore off. Basically. That's an interesting interpretation, and it doesn't conflict with what we saw. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't, so I can't say that it's wrong. But in my mind, um, he, he healed her just fine. She had the baby and caught another disease later, um, mm-hmm. you know, or was injured and, and injured and killed in some other way later. But since it's not canon, um, later on, if we go back and pick up a thread of that story, you know, we could decide to do what you just described. Um, it doesn't it doesn't conflict with anything, and sometimes that's the best answer you have, uh, since you know we write. Uh, you know, you, you to a certain extent, these plots unfold as you go, and you get a great idea later that changes what you thought you were going to do. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's, uh, and you know, obviously your your version has interesting implications of of why would Rumple do that? That um, that it, that's 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 a very interesting way to think of it. I hadn't thought of it that way. Oh, cool! Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. Not a problem. Yes. Thanks, Sarah. Okay. And I am going to bring on another caller. Hang on one second. Hi, you're on the air with Jane Espenson. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. Um, I wanted to ask about the Blue Fairy. Um, because mm-hmm. I've had a question about her since late season one. Mm-hmm. The episode that you wrote indeed established that Rumpel's curse could be broken with true love's kiss. And the season finale, A Land Without Magic, established that the parent-child bond counted for true love's kiss. Mm-hmm. So when so when Bay goes to the Blue Fairy for help, why doesn't she tell him to kiss his father? Oh. Huh. Ooh. Ooh. That's I an don't interesting know. question. Hmm. Uh, I mean, there are there are a number of different things that could answer that. Maybe uh, maybe she did it on purpose because she's got schemes of her own. Um, maybe she felt it wouldn't work in this case. Um, maybe she wasn't aware of how much Rumpel loved his son or something. Um, I don't know. That's it's a it's an interesting question. Um, it's you know it, it certainly it would have um, short circuited our story. So well, there must I realize, be. <laughs> yeah. I realize, I realize from a from a from a structural standpoint. Yes, the exactly. Answer, there, was, there would be no there would be no story. But from a narrative standpoint. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, uh, what why do you think? Well. I have thought that I've been aware of the magic shortage since the pilot when she first mentioned the magic shortage. Mm-hmm. She said, last tree. Interesting, then, right? Right. Then she went on and said, last beam, and she said, we only have a year's worth of fairy dust. And, of course, she mm-hmm. doesn't want nobody to run off with any of the dwarves because she doesn't need, you know, to be a fairy down. Because she's That's, yeah. That's so, very so, interesting. So all Tan did when he was talking to Henry about the magic shortage was provide, you know, secondary cooperation of something that mm-hmm. Blue Fairy's been talking about since the show began. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that she needed the curse to go forward because she needed to solve the magic shortage. And That's pretty that cool. How, that was how to yeah. do it. Very cool. That's and, not a get go on. And that and that and that that was what she did. That was what she had to do. Now if it goes into she needed Henry to exist because he is the savior that saves the magic, 
that that's why she needs the curse, but we have to see whether that's going to be what goes on, you know. Well, I will just say I think that's all very interesting. Okay. I think that you you've clearly thought about this a great deal, and that's a very intelligent that's a very intelligent analysis. Good, Thank good you. job. Mm-hmm. Okay, I am going to take the last two questions for myself um, because I know that you have to run in less than five minutes. Yeah. So, um, question: um, Are we going to see this? Is because you? I don't know if you know that I'm like a big Rumble fan. So. Um, <laughs> Um, so I'm going to ask if we're going to see any more of Rumpel and Belle together in Neverland. If you know, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a keep watching one. Uh, just keep oh, watching. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. That's a that's a good answer. And a question that came up in the half hour before you came was, are we going to see any possible same sex relationships in Neverland or on Once Upon a Time? Uh, I guess that depends on uh, what you make of that Mulan scene. Oh, I suppose it's not a relationship exactly. Okay, so um, that answers that question. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I love how that's, crazy that's where you I was are. That was like the direction that I was approaching that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it depends. Okay, all right. Um, so is there anything that you can tell us about what's coming up on either show in the last couple of minutes I have with you um, that you can tell? I know you don't give spoilers, and um, mm-hmm. I don't either, um, just what the network tells me. Um, right. Is there anything you can uh, tease about anything coming up on either show? Yeah, I would say that um, coming up in Wonderland, you're going to get uh, more opportunity to get a look at Alice and Cyrus together. Uh, because obviously, you know, this is the central relationship that, that we're, you know, trying to reunite these two. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure that you had more of a sense of, of what you were fighting for, what the relationship is that you're fighting for. So I think you're going to get to see more of Cyrus and more of what, what their love looks like. And I think people are going to really like that. He's really, really appealing and um, very, very good. And I, I those are some of my favorite scenes that are coming up. Um, and on once... Um, just, uh, uh, keep an eye on Robbie Kay, cause, uh, yeah. I've got a feeling there, uh, he's got a, uh, a, a pretty compelling, um, scheme. Oh, I've said the word compelling like eight times. Ugh. I hate <laughs> when I do that. I get one word going and then it's like the only word I use. It's a good word. Um, it's a good word. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You were the three times you use it. Um, sure. but Peter Pan's got some some really great, interesting plans. Um, so keep watching him. Oh, and Felix, uh, Peter Pan's right hand man, um, who's sort of a find. Scary. Like he's scary. Yeah, just this great creepy character. Um, so just uh, you know, once we discovered how great and creepy Felix was, uh, we end up using him quite a bit. So keep an eye on them. Um, and uh, and you know, hashtag Save Henry. Yeah. Great. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Hashtag Save mm-hmm. Henry, which goes all the way back to Comic Con. And mm-hmm. thank you so much for being with us. I know you've been crazed and busy, and uh, always, always appreciate you taking that time to no be on problem. the show. No problem. I must run right now to the airport so, to go, pick go, go. someone up. And uh, but thank you so much for having me on. All right. Take care. Thank Thanks you. for watching. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. 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 <laughs> She's so funny. I love she her. Is. I love how she's great. so she's so like 
well, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> you know, like, what do you think of that? You know, what do you well, she doesn't, stand she, on its own? But it's good. Cause she, she doesn't like to – she teases, and she doesn't give well, yeah, anything. Which is good. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. I just like the way she does it. You know, she's, yeah. she's so um, – just I don't know what the word is, but she's she's great. She's, she's, she's always very good-natured and very um, yeah. kind of fun. Now, I just actually got a note. Um, I might be having next Monday on the show. Um, I don't have complete confirmation yet, but we're working on getting um, – <laughs> I just got a tweet. Another compelling interview. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> um, I'm working on getting David Goodman on the show next Monday. That would and, be amazing. Yeah, and David has wa- written a number of some of the the really nice. Be- he and he and Jane, I think, are my two of my favorite writers on the show. And mm-hmm. he is the writer of next week's episode. One of the writers. There are two writers. Um, but he is the first listed writer of next week's episode. So I just got an email oh. from oh. ABC while the show was on the air that she is checking and so I will um as soon as I know the answer to that um I will promo it um all over the place so that's really exciting for us um as cool. well so so what do you guys think good interview well, I'm glad um you, I'm, yeah I'm glad you brought up the blue fairy stuff cuz I'm just like I still and I think I always have said I think she's behind it all She's behind the whole thing. That's her thing. She's like shady, and she she comes in and out, and she only does a little bit here and there. So it's hard for people to kind of put together unless you take a look at it and you step back and look at the entire canvas of Once Upon a Time thus far. So right. I I I kind of you know I like that that she kind of pretty much confirmed that <laughs> that yeah maybe she <laughs> is really pulling the strings you know. <laughs> Not to hope on one subject too much, but I was wondering if Jane may have changed your minds about Mulan, or if yeah. Uh, well, you know that's see that's the thing. When well, I first asked her, she wasn't actually saying anything. You know, she says, "Well, let the mm-hmm. scene stand for what it is." Then when I asked her the question about same-sex yeah. relationships, she went yeah, back to I Mulan. Mean, scene. But I think you, I think you may be onto something, Sa. Yeah. So that's the point of view. Yeah, I think it is how you interpret it. And yeah. um so it's possible. It's very possible. Uh but yeah. but Aurora is, is with child. Well so, I think we'll get confirmation down the road. I don't think they can give us a scene like that and then not revisit it at some not, point. I think yeah, that was put in there as a and they were they were dropping down a thread. They were dropping down a narrative thread to be plucked mm-hmm. late. And that's yeah, one of the exactly. things that's really, really good. I mean, having just gone through the process of writing a whole freaking novel, one of the things <laughs> that um, novelists do, like on the last pass of writing a novel, or the not last pass, because I'm sure I'll have to do <laughs> some rewrites on it if it gets actually published, but one of the things that you do after you've completed the story is you go back and you drop threads. You drop little bits and fairy dust. You drop pixie dust through the novel 
that sort of leads you to other places later on. And um, and I think and when you're writing a television series, you don't have that luxury because everything gets built from the beginning, you know, and everyone's watching it as it's getting built out. So they drop a thread, and they know they're going to pluck it out later. You know, they're gonna they're gonna pluck it out at some point. They don't just put things in there for the sake of putting things in there. Mm-hmm. They know they want it foreshadowing. Yes. It's it's not exactly foreshadowing. It's more like, okay, so I'm going to give you an example. And um, I just started writing the second book, a second novel in this, what I hope will be like a trilogy. And um, it turns out that the place where I set my main character's shop in London, in Smithfield Marketplace, is the same place where William Wallace, you know, from, you know, Braveheart, William Wallace, yeah. was executed. So um, where I've set his shop is actually the place where William Wallace was executed. But what my readers of the first novel aren't going to know, ha is that William Wallace was a confederate, was a, was a comrade of Thomas Erseldoon, Thomas Sir Lord Thomas Lairmount of Erseldoon, who is a real person, who is um who is Galen's uh ancestor. So when the next book opens and we open when Galen first moves to London, he's being visited by visions of William Wallace. I know Jimmy you Jim Jimmy you need to leave. Yep, it's my bedtime, but thank you so much. Fun as always. (laughs) Okay, fun as always, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Okay, I'll see you then. Bye. Bye. See you later. So so the whole thing is that um, this whole idea of putting the shop in this exact, um, ha, 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 in this exact place actually means something for the second book. That no one's oh, mm. except you guys who are listening. See, you know that now. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> um, so, so but, but, but what I'm going to tell you is, um, like television in television writing, is I actually didn't know that that was where William Wallace had been executed. It was completely random that I set his shop there. Oh, that's interesting. And it was only. Only recently that I realized that that's where William Wallace was executed. And what I did know, not from the start, but what I did know was that William Wallace and and Galen's ancestor were friends, were colleagues, were 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 nobility together in 13th century Scotland. So um, yeah. So so it's it's like you, there are these little threads and you don't know why you know why did I set his shop there? I don't know why right. I set his shop there. Well now I have a reason for it. <laughs> exactly. You know and I can do, well, read, read it as you wish. You know why would I have set his shop there? There are a hundred reasons why his shop could be there. Right. Why is his shop there? Because William Wallace was executed there. So you know that's one reason. So anyway, that's what happened to me with my, oh, synchronicity. Ha ha. Or maybe you have ESP or a muse guiding your writing. Ah, it is. 
common flare mounts that air soldiering is guiding my writing. Um, anyway, so you, but that but see, that happens in in TV writing too. So you you see something happen because because television and novel writing too, but television in particular has to do the ghost of William Wallace. Yes, you see, because Braveheart was like such a tacky movie. <laughs> yeah. So William Wallace wants me to tell his story. That sounds cool. I could do that. Um, The opening scene of the second book is William Wallace's execution, which was really gory. Um, But what was I saying? Oh, so, but because TV episodes are only 43 minutes, nothing can get wasted. Right. Nothing can get wasted. So, um when you drop a thread like that and they make a, she made a big deal about it. Right. I want, there's something I need. She was really fretting about it. I really need to tell Philip something. And what is she going to tell him? What is she going to, well, finally she gets the opportunity and it's Aurora. She wants to talk to, and she's heart sick when Aurora tells her that she's pregnant. But I and, think that they did that to 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 gauge and see with the audience how first of all a how the audience would react and b how the audience would interpret it and c if they should write more because I think that they do that from yeah. time to time they'll put like situations in or like a moment in and then it's like oh my god okay what's the reaction to that and they're gonna look at that and they're gonna see okay well then let's write some more for it I mean that's sort of what right what is I the audience and it, is the audience gonna be accepting of that right. Exactly. And, you know, and I mean, like, to be honest, I mean, Dania was like, what? I don't understand that. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, they're just trying to plant the seed and see what people think, you know. And uh, right. it would be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I don't see, you know, I think it'd be an interesting facet, actually, to see if they do that. Right, you know? right. No. Oh, so Mulan never says it was Philip she wanted to talk to. Really? Okay. See, are you sure? Because... To me, well, okay. She says to she says to um, Robin Hood that she has to go and see. She has to she has to talk to somebody. Oh, I think he says uh, matter a matter of the heart or something, and she says we'll see. But then when she gets to goes and sees uh, Aurora, she gets there and well, she's like, it's Prince." She says, "Is Miss is Prince Philip here?" No. Let me get him for you. And I think she says, oh, no, I want to talk to you. So I think that's where the – so it could have been either way. She could say, hey, listen, I'm in, you know, I'm going to fight for – you know, it could have been either way, really. But, I mean, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards <clears throat> that she's in love with, with, uh, with Aurora, probably. That could very well be. That could very well so, be. To be interesting um, to see what they do. So it will be really interesting to see where it goes. Um, I am really excited to see what happens. And I love, I love, uh, oh, by the way, it's really interesting. So I saw a, gosh, I can, now I can't remember the movie, but I saw a photograph of Naveen Andrews in mm-hmm. another movie. And I could have sworn it was like he looked exactly like he looks as Jafar. Same really? outfit, everything. So I, now I can't remember. Oh I can't God. remember. It wasn't a great movie, um, but he's he's great. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing 
his relationship with the queen, with yeah. the Red Queen. Wait, that was just crazy how, you know, he really has power over her. I thought that, that, little, that little scene we got was just like, oh, my God, it was very intense. It was good, though. It's going to be interesting. We see here in the chat room, Naveen, yum. Did you see the picture that... <laughs> The picture that I have that that Naveen and I took together. That's a great picture. It is a great picture. I should. I should. I didn't. I should. I put it up on my blog. Yes, you should. That's a great picture. I should do that. I should put it up. Maybe I did. I maybe. No, I don't think I did. Okay, I'm going to put up on my blog my pictures that I took. I only took. I took three pictures with. With um, actors, one was uh, my picture with Naveen, head to head, and was one was was my picture with um, um, Giancarlo Esposito. Right, and the other one. Was the other phone. one was my picture with Robert <laughs> Carlyle. So I still have um, it in my which... phone, by the way. <laughs> she, she sent it to me. I'm like, I'm keeping it. <laughs> So after which I said, my life as a journalist is now complete. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's funny. funny. For years, I I tried to get even just a phone interview with Hugh Laurie. And I interviewed pretty much everybody else associated with House. And um, I never interviewed Hugh. And when I started uh, writing about once, I had access to pretty much everybody, but not to Robert. And... um, and so I was really disappointed last summer, last summer, not this past summer, but the That's summer right. before, when when Robert had to cancel and and couldn't go to Comic Con, and um, I um, it was and then this year when he was there, I was really quite excited to uh, to to get to meet him, to get to interview him, and then do the completely fangirlish thing of having my picture taken <laughs> with him. So. You have to do that. I mean, you just do. Yeah. It's so hard because when you're, you know, you have to be in, like, you know, professional mode, but inside you're just fangirling, like, all over the place, and it's just like. Uh, Only sometimes. But, you know, yeah, you try to, like, you know, be be outwardly calm and cool and collected. Sometimes, and, you know, you sometimes. While you're, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's really easy to just be in professional. In fact, all the time it's easy to be in professional mode. Yeah. I mean, you just are. Um, but then there are moments when, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to just squee here. Um, when I was, it, you know, I mean, it was like I was like five feet from Harrison Ford for like a half an that hour. That is just the craziest thing, man. I would have just that done was, the same thing, though. That was just, would just, <laughs> Samantha says, did you accidentally touch Robert's hair? Because I think <laughs> I would no, you know, I you know how many people have asked me that? <laughs> he's probably like surprised that we even talk about his hair. Does he realize Oh, that I don't think so. Oh, hair. I think he very I think he he very much wears his hair the way he wears his hair because he knows it makes women crazy. Yeah. No, um he always wears his hair like that. And uh yes, actors do get starstruck over other actors. There's no question. Yeah, it's funny, you know, speaking of Carlisle and, and that that idea, if you ever listen to the Stargate Universe uh, commentaries, um and he didn't do any of the commentaries during Stargate Universe. 
but every single episode has a commentary track by some of the yeah. actors. And every single actor was like starstruck over him. That's so funny. They were all oh, huge they were all huge fans of his. He's huge so fans. Good, though. I mean you just He you is intense. About him. I mean I mean the whole I mean even last week with the whole shadow thing. Shadow, oh that I mean, that, that was painful. I've been watching that. It was like oh, God, that must I really know. hurt. He really sells it. Um, but but to answer the question, did I touch his hair? No, I would have. No. <laughs> I, I, it, it's it's it looked very soft. Naveen, when I took my picture with Naveen Andrews, like I was holding the camera, and it's a really bad picture of me because um, it's taking it from under my chin, so it looks like I have like four chins. Um, but uh, it's like really it's weird. So funny. But um, but Naveen actually, I'm posing with him, and he actually leaned his head over and, and onto mine. So, that was so he, cute. His hair is very soft. He has very soft hair. <laughs> very cur- good you. curly soft hair. All right, let me ask um, you this. How, 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 um, how did they, did they have really nice smelling cologne on? <laughs> you know, that was, that was second. You know what? That's funny. That's the second most asked question. The first most asked question I got <laughs> was, is Robert's hair soft? And um, <laughs> and my second most asked question was, what did he smell like? <laughs> what? Well, and you know what's funny is I never pay attention to that stuff really, to be honest with you. But no. when when I met Steve Burton at, from GH at Fan Club Weekend, I met him finally. And you know, because he's sort of a big a big wig in the whole scenario yeah. of soap world. And that and and I never like I couldn't tell you anybody else's cologne or nothing, but that was the very first thing. That and his eyes are real; they're not contacts, whatever. His, his crystal blue eyes. But no, it was just like, oh my god! Like everybody, and and it's funny because they would tweet about it. Like the guy's joke with him, hey, I can smell your ex cologne all over the studio, and, you know. So like that, and I thought, oh, okay, whatever. That was the first thing that I noticed. And man, he smelled yummy. That's uh, all I can say. I was like swooning. So it was like, oh my god, I don't ever pay attention to that, but that's how so, good it. Was. <laughs> well, so I am like super sensitive to men's cologne. I really oh, okay. dislike it. I mean, I really dislike it. Like really, really dislike that's it. So funny. Um. Really, really, really dislike. Really, 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 really. <laughs> um. And I dislike it so much that it almost makes me nauseous. And I have that visceral kind of reaction. My husband does not wear any cologne or aftershave at all. Um, He always smells of soap (laughs) and shampoo, um, which is quite lovely. And uh, so he, you know, I like the soap thing. So, um, although, um, okay. So, um, I think Naveen Andrews' hair is permed, is in the chat room. Actually, if you, I remember him from the English patient, and his hair was really curly. So, um, I think his hair is curly. I don't think his hair is straight. Um, so anyway, so, um, so I'm really sensitive to this, to perfume, to, to cologne, not to women's perfume so much. I mean, I wear perfume, but I tend not to like the spicy stuff at all. So I tend, I've got this really great stuff. Um, it's Lily of the Valley. 
or not Lily of the Valley, it's lilac perfume that I get at uh, Whole Foods in their uh, organic um, uh, bath and body section. And it's really lovely. It's by Pacifica. And anyway, so um, I did not notice, and I thought, you know, like I, I, I know that Robert Carlyle smokes cigarettes, like he's a chain smoker. And I would imagine so as Naveen, but I didn't smell cigarettes. I didn't smell cologne. Um, they just smelled nice. I mean, they didn't smell, you know, there was no aroma to them at all. And, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, there was nothing that was obvious. So uh, I can't believe we're talking about men's cologne and actors. I know, me neither. I think we've got but there's a guy. Track, but... there's, there's a guy that I perform with sometimes. He's a drummer. Yeah. And um, when and and he just like reeks of cologne. And it's just like I hate it. It's like I don't know like, what he it's wears. Like too much. Well, it's different too. But I mean, like it just when it smells, it just was. Yeah. Anyway, I was weird. It's just but like I just noticed it, like but... Irish, you know, Irish Spring. You know, that works for me. The fresh smell of Irish spring. <laughs> yes, and I like it too. Um, I like it too, exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's too But funny. yeah, I mean, that's fine. And my son went through this phase where he was using Axe. Yeah. I think that's all like, like, adolescent like, boys go through They go this. through that. Totally. Yeah. Um, but as far as like women's perfume, I mean, I like the really, um, the really light stuff. So, anyway, yes, does your cologne enter your room before you do? I love that commercial. That's right. That's right. And, and it should never be. It should never, ever, ever, ever be. Um, I remember the first perfume that I liked was called, I loved Lauren, you know, Ralph Lauren's perfume, oh, Lauren, yeah. like really Safari fresh. Is my, Safari is my signature Okay. The one that I've worn since I was 18 years old, and they stopped making it. I can get it at the perfume emporium or online, but that's it. And I, I mean, I still have a little bit of my my body lotion left that I use very sparingly. But I, it's like that's my favorite. Like and I like Elizabeth scent, Arden. You know? I like Elizabeth Arden sunflowers. I guess I'm just like a hippie girl because I like all those kind of, you know, like I said, I, I, I use Pacifica lilac, and that's really nice. Um, but I can't um, believe, gonna, like, really, we're really not talking about television anymore, are we? No, <laughs> but I was going to ask you, did you see um, my show? Did you see um, Sleepy Hollow? I did. Okay, so let's talk about Sleepy Hollow for a little bit. Um, Sleepy Hollow was, um, okay, so here's my thing. My question is, oh, patchouli, oh, my God, no, not patchouli. Patchouli, patchouli was used to cover up the scent, the aromatic scent of aromatic herbs that were illegal at the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and still are in many places except where Chrissy lives. Um, yeah. No, I didn't like patchouli. I didn't like patchouli, and I didn't like um, I didn't like cinnabar or anything like that. Um, what it, you know, it's like back from the old days. I mean, no, I didn't like patchouli oil. I loved oils, but not patchouli oils. Okay, so let's talk about um, a lot of my friends wore patchouli to cover up the scent of grass, but mm-hmm. 
I was a teetotaler. Um, anyway, so, um, oh, Sleepy Hollow. So here's my thing. Why is he still wearing 200-year-old clothes? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I keep, that's what people are like, so is he going to have a different wardrobe this week? What's going on? I don't understand exactly what they're doing with that whole thing. Yeah, and he's I still mean, too modern for me. I mean, he's still, he's so well adapted. He's so well yeah, adapted. He, he adapted a little bit quicker than I think. You know, it's hard. It's the writers, it's the writers that really need to, to you know, kind of bring that whole 250-year-old, at least more of the dialogue, you know, more of the words that he would use normally. Then, you know, And I get, I get maybe. that he can't. You know, I get that he can't use thee and thou and, you know, and wouldst and shouldst, you know. But, and and he does certainly, you know, he, he throws a dare say in there every once in a while. But um, he's he's way too easily adapted to this. This, is, this should be rocking his world. This should yeah. be, you know, what the hell is this? You However, know, what, I like where is this? Yeah, where is this place? Well, I like the fact when he was, um, when he was using the, uh, when they, when the the whole energy drink thing, because that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Oh, and, and I did not like the fact that, um, they made him, like, the instigator of the Boston Tea Party. I mean, that was, like. I didn't quite understand what that was. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I know history. And I know that I know how the Boston Tea Party happened. And besides, okay, so the Boston Tea Party was before the war. And the Boston Tea Party was so he started out though as a British soldier during the war. Oh, yeah, right. Right. He so, started and then out he and would, then he switched sides. Right. And it was seventeen eighty one. So, right, seventeen eighty one, I think. And the thing is that um, 1781 was the war, but why would he have been on the sides of the colonists in in 1775 when the Boston Tea Party happened? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I the thing that I I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of like unknowns still with this whole thing, and. And I think that, I mean, I like the way that the mythology of it is kind of unique right. and everything, but I just think that they need to kind of, I don't know, they need to explain some things. Okay. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's just in the beginning of this, this whole thing, so, you so, know. So, so, okay, question from the chat room. Actually, want to know something about his British accent. It's an anachronism that received the RP, the received the RP speech the it's called received pronunciation it's kind of an oxbridge accent um did not come into use until the 1800s whilst with sleep so we don't actually know how he would be talking um and you know i mean i think that it's it's a it's an avatar um anyone yeah. who speaks with you know with an rp accent um sounds uh old <laughs> Down, yeah. no, you know, true. Abbey-ish. But Downton Abbey it takes place in the early 20th century, the late 19th century. But there's lots of inconsistencies, and it's really okay. Sheer charisma of Tom 
and I'm mispronouncing his name. Is it Mizon or Mizon? I think it's, it's Mizon. Mizon, Tom Mizon, who is really charismatic. Tons of charisma. Um, I, I would love to see more of his deeper side. Yeah. And I think I don't, we will. I, I think we will. I think it's just kind of like they're trying to lay out the mythology, I think, of the show right now. Yeah. And, totally. um, you know, I mean, they have to at some point, like, really start. We need to see more. I mean, we're getting all of what's your name's backstory, Abby's backstory right now and stuff. Yeah. But I want to get more of his backstory and um, and his wife and, you know, all of that, um, that part of it. Um, but I do hope they get the history right. I really I do. Because I think I t- I'm a real bug on that. I mean, I spend, and someone who writes historical fiction, um, I really feel strongly that, that you don't, you know, yes, there are different. There are lots of different versions of history, especially earlier history. But there are certain things you, you shouldn't really screw around. I mean, sometimes there are different accounts of the facts, and sometimes facts are revised by people for political reasons. So they're not really right. facts; they're just someone's version of the facts. But then there are things right. that are actual facts. Right. Um, they're certainly right. not following the original legend of Sleepy Hollow, although. The, the the headless horseman is a uh, you know is a Hessian soldier like he right. was in the story, so that they got. <laughs> um, they're sort of you know they've got Rip Van Winkle and Sleepy Hollow kind of merged into a story, um, and and following their own path. We are just about out of time, so I would like to thank Chrissy. Thank you for hanging around, and thanks Jimmy who's already uh, gone to sleep. Hopefully not for two hundred years. <laughs> And I absolutely want to thank Jane Espenson for calling in and talking to us for half an hour. Um, And tune in next week where I hope my guest will be David Goodman, who is another writer-producer on Once Upon a Time. And uh, hopefully uh, I will know about that in the next day or two. So stay tuned and follow me on Twitter at B underscore Barnett, and uh, you will find out what's going on uh, next week's show and whether we've got David Goodman. So good night, Chrissy. Good night. Thank you, Barbara. Good night, Helena. Good night, Karis. Good night, Samantha. Good night, Sarah. Sarah. Good night. And I'm going to mispronounce your name again. Suanich. I'm not going to get this right. Uh, And Super RS. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and everyone else who's listening out in uh, Radioland. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.